Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, as we dive into God's Word today, it's kind of funny, when I started preparing this message, it was springtime outside, and so like the opening analogy is just blown to bits because there's snow on the ground, right? Like, welcome to March in Virginia. It was shorts and 60s earlier in the week, and now it's shovel the snow uh, on Sunday, but uh, we're coming up on that time of year when you begin to start to see the giant tractors go down the road, right? You know what I'm talking about, the ones that are tires are like eight feet tall, and they're pulling plows and hares and different things into the fields, and, and of course you've got the ones pulling the manure spreaders, right? Like, you, you see these things coming down the road, the tires are six feet tall, it's the roar, just whoa, 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 as they're coming towards you, and I, I don't know if you have this on this side of the county quite as much as we did on the west side, but I, it, it blows me away every time when I see one of these tractors coming and you get closer and you see the driver is about a 12-year-old kid about four and a half feet tall. Have you, you see that on the side of the county? It's like, how in the world does somebody so small operate something so big? It's just like, man, when I was that age, I, I was like G.I. Joes and fishing, and these kids are driving 20,000-pound rigs down the road. But as we're coming to the close of our study in the book of James, his teaching on prayer reminds me a little bit of those little kids driving those giant pieces of equipment. James says in his invitation in these last couple verses is that through prayer, no matter how small we are, no matter how small we may feel or how insignificant our prayers may seem to us, that we have an opportunity to tap into the magnificent, limitless power of Almighty God himself to be a part of something much much bigger than just ourselves James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective I welcome you back to our teaching series through the book of James Uh, you could call this our white flag lap Uh, this is the next to last uh, message out of the James series we began uh, back in September and verse by verse we've arrived here at the end of chapter 5 and uh, at the end of chapter 5, he, James kind of takes a, a deep breath, he catches a breath, and then exhales his last couple of thoughts, the last key notes, the last key thoughts he wants to leave us with. And, and likely, these are some of the last words that were recorded or heard from, from James because he would ultimately be martyred for the faith. Because he professed Jesus as Lord, he was killed for his faith. And so these last words matter. They're the last words of someone who staked it all for Jesus. As we saw last week in our study, one of James's primary concerns is that we would be people of prayer, that we would be people 
of prayer that no matter what's going on in our life, no matter the circumstances or the trials or the joys we find ourselves in, that prayer would be our go-to in all of life's circumstances. That if we're in trouble, if we're sick, if we're in a season of joy, we bring all of that into the experience and share in that realm of prayer. At its heart, I think this is an invitation by James to, to bring all of our lives into the relationship that we have with the Lord, that no matter what, we're breathing communion, we're abiding, as John would say in his gospel, we're abiding in the presence of the Lord at all times. And as James is unpacking his teaching on prayer, one of his key emphasis is that prayer is for everyone. Prayer is for everyone. It's, it's the promise of powerful and effective prayer that is available for every follower of Jesus. Every person who has experienced forgiveness, who knows the new life of Christ born within, prayer is for you. And the promise of answered prayer and the promise of the power of God is for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not limited to those people who may have it all together, which BTW, nobody's got it all together. It's not limited to those people who've been around the church for a long time. It's not limited to somebody that serves on staff at a church. The promise of prayer, the promise, the invitation that we have is for everyone. That we can tap into that power, tap into communion and fellowship with the Lord. So that begs a question of us today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Perhaps more importantly, do you pray like you believe that? Do I? If James is saying that prayer is for everyone, and we have an immense opportunity, do we pray like we believe it? Would you turn with me today to James's letter, uh, the tail end of chapter 5. And we're going to pick up in our teaching text today in verse 17. James 5, beginning in verse 17, he says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Verse 18, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. One of the first things we want to notice here about this text, before James goes anywhere else, before he unpacks this any further, the first thing he says about Elijah is that he was a human being. He was a man just like we are. Now, now Elijah, we, we might remember some of the stories, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story, the history of Elijah, like you might have the, the tendency to put him on a pedestal to think that he was a superhero or superhuman, and James says, no, 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 no. Elijah, that, that, that guy that you hold in esteem with high regard, he was just a man. But yet he prayed. It should stand out to us today that this is the way that James connects us with the story of Elijah, that he was a man just like we are. And through Elijah, James is going to remind us that people just like you and I have the opportunity to tap into power, to tap into God's kingdom and through relationship with him, experience something way beyond ourselves, beyond our influence. As we dive into the word today, you might think if he was going to give us a, an analogy today, he might have brought up Billy Graham. Remember Billy Graham. 
He, he was a man like we are, yet he prayed and trusted the Lord, yet look at what the Lord did through him. That might be someone that he would pull out of our context today. But when James wants to illustrate this point to us, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, he brings in Elijah. So, and we'll understand as we unpack a little bit more that Elijah was a man that staked his life on prayer. And so as we dive in today, let's begin with prayer. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father, as we begin to unpack your word and, and dive into Elijah's story just a little bit, Lord, we want to hear your heart, Lord. We want to understand this invitation to prayer, to fellowship with you. So God, will you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the truth of your word? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. It's that season where you allergies never know what to do next. But, so bear with me today if I have to pop out for a call for a sip of water. But let's begin at verse 17 and unpack a little bit what James is doing and what maybe James was thinking and pulling in Elijah. Verse 17, he says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, if we want to go unpack the story of Elijah, we're going to have to go back to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings there in the Old Testament. Uh, and you find the story of Elijah uh, somewhere around chapter 17 through the balance of 19, somewhere midway through. Uh, now, in the time of Elijah, Ahab was the king of Israel. Now, and you might say things were not going uh, so great. Uh, king Ahab and his wife Jezebel had led the nation into pagan idolatry, worship of the god of Baal. And 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 33 records it this way. It says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the other kings of Israel who were before him. So literally, this is the worst king the nation of Israel has ever had. What does it say to us in light of that? If things not going so well, the worst king that the nation has ever known, what does it say to us today that when God wants to do something, he calls on his people to pray. He calls on his people to pray. I think that's probably another message for another day, but that is a beautiful portrait that all of our lives are brought into prayer. No matter when we think that we might see evil winter, we might see uh, evil triumph, he's calling us to pray and to trust him. As we continue in the story of Elijah, we're going to pick up in 1 Kings 17, 1, and, and we're going to kind of do a, a drinking from a fire hydrant tour through Elijah's story here to unpack a little bit why James is bringing in this prophet from the Old Testament. 1 Kings 17, 1 says, Now Elijah, now remind you, the human being, the Tishbite from Tish is in Gilead said to Ahab, so Elijah the human said to Ahab the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So in, in response to the nation's idolatry and sin, God brought about a drought that was so severe that not even the morning dew was present. Now that's dry, friends. That is dry. So in this story, the Lord tells Elijah, after he proclaims this to the king, the Lord tells Elijah to go head east and hide out for a while. Now, now the Lord miraculously cares for Elijah while he's in the wilderness, sending ravens to bring his food, and he's camped out by the brook. And even as the story goes on, this brook would dry up, and Elijah would have to go on, and he, he stays at a widow's house for some time. And as this story unfolds, three years go by. Three years go by before the Lord's next command comes to Elijah concerning the drought. 
And within this story, we begin to see that sometimes impossible prayers often involve impossible amounts of waiting and patience on the Lord. We're going to resume our story of Elijah here in 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 1. It says, After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. So, so three years without rain had left the land desolate and the king desperate. Now, just think back to a time in the hot summer sun when we hadn't had rain for a couple weeks. Like, you walk through your yard barefoot and it's just crunchy. The riverbeds lay barren. There begins to be things growing because there's no water there. So the land is transformed, is gripped and ravaged by drought. And that's just after a couple weeks of our experience. So imagine three years with not so much as a drop of dew. The land and the king were desperate. Pick back up the story in verse 17 of chapter 18. It says, when he, King Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? That kind of shows you what the king thinks of Elijah, right? Verse 18 says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you. Now, he's telling the king this, mind you. He says, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So, so through faith, we see a bold confrontation between the prophet and the king. And Elijah's calling for a showdown. He wants to end this once and for all. In verse 21, Elijah says, He went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And what follows in, in Elijah's story is what I believe was etched into the minds of, of the readers of James, what, what he was calling on them to remember about Elijah. This was the amazing story that he was calling us to in this text. So again, we're going to pick back up in verse 22 of 18 in 1 Kings. It says, then Elijah, mind you, the human being, again, just like us, Elijah, the human being, said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Now, as the story unfolds here, the prophets of Baal called upon their gods all day. They were getting desperate by the end, even self-mutilating, trying to get the attention of the gods, yet nothing happened. No fire, not a spark, nothing happened. Now, Elijah, he, he's so confident that the Lord's going to move, he even taunts the prophets a little bit, saying, you know, what, what's the matter with your gods? Is he busy? Has he gone away? Is he taking a nap? Because Elijah knows that the Lord is going to move. And so they cried out even more fervently, but yet nothing happened. 
And that evening, Scripture records that Elijah invited all to come near. So y- y'all get closer, draw in, you're not going to want to miss this. Come and see the Lord move. And, and so Elijah's sacrifice, it, it, this bull has been prepared, and, and it's setting on the altar. And, and Elijah calls that the people would bring water and pour over the sacrifice, pour it over the bull and the wood and the stones of the altar. And he did this a number of times. This thing was literally drenched. Water was laying around the stones. There was no way this thing was going to catch on fire. Then Elijah, the man, prayed. We find his prayer in verse 36 through 39. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Friends, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah prayed, and the Lord moved mightily, accomplishing the impossible. A miracle that took place because a man with a nature like ours prayed. Elijah's prayers changed his world. Do you believe today that prayer has that kind of power? That's that's what James is getting at in this text. Do, Do you believe? Do you believe that prayer has that kind of power? Do you believe that we can still see impossible things happen because we sought the Lord? Do do you believe that your family can be different? Do do you believe that relatives can be saved, that healing can happen all because we prayed? Do you believe? Do you believe that your community can see revival? Do we believe today that God could so move throughout Elkton, Virginia and beyond that it would be known as the place that God's revival broke out. Do you believe today in the power of prayer? Or do you believe that things like that don't happen anymore? Or that maybe prayer only works for some people? You've seen it work for others, but that's just not how it works for you. Like, those thoughts are in the back of our minds, right? Maybe, maybe the enemy has crept in and breathed in the lie that you can't pray. You are not going to be heard. Friends, the worst mistake a Christian can make is to assume that just because the Lord might not have answered some of the prayers in our past the way we thought or in the timing we anticipated, one of the worst things we can do is to think that we shouldn't pray anymore. That's the devil's, that's the enemy's favorite tune to whisper in our ear. That prayer is fruitless. That it is useless. You see, when James invites his people to prayer to tap into that power, I believe he knew our tendency to wrestle with doubt. 
He, he knows we, we even have a tendency to elevate characters in the Bible to maybe a super spiritual status, right? Like to hear the story of Elijah and think, oh, you know, that, like he was next to an angel. But I, th- I think that's why James' first words is that Elijah was a man. Elijah was a, was a man that had doubts, that struggled with depression and fear and frustration, just like you and me. Because you see, James's audience also knows the rest of the story of what happens after this amazing victory in Elijah's life. We find this recorded in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 5. Now, now this is post-victory. This, God has, has moved mightily. Fire has come. I mean, imagine for, we're standing out here on a bright sunny day and fire descends from the sky and burns up stones. That's hot. And this is what follows. It says, now Ahab the king told Jezebel, which is his wife, everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. No, no. You hear this, right? Like you get what just happened. The same guy that just challenged all the pagan prophets of the land, who called out the king as a troubler of the nation. He called down fire from heaven and witnessed this miraculous miracle, consuming a waterlogged sacrifice. He had the confidence to tell him, go ahead and pour water on it. When he was threatened by the king's wife, he ran away scared. The king's wife sent a messenger and said, I'm going to get you. And he loses it. And suddenly, a character that we have chalked up as a superhero, as something we can't attain to, suddenly becomes very human, doesn't he? He becomes frail, weak, and emotional. Just like you and me. Just like you and me. As the band begins to make their way forward. The more we've studied James together, the more I'm convinced that he was a servant leader who knew his people well. He was a servant leader that knew his people well and understood their struggles and loved them enough to call them onward in the faith, to challenge them in those places of their lives. And I don't know about you, friends, but I've been challenged more than one time through the book of James. And I think that's coming from a servant's heart that's calling us onward, calling us to gird up our loins and strength of the Lord, to live differently. And in his final parting words on prayer, James has chosen a character from Scripture that I think we can all relate to. 
to show us that the power of prayer is for everyone. The power of prayer is for people who struggle with depression and anxiety. The power of prayer is for people who get frustrated. Thank you, Lord, right? The power of prayer is for people who deal with fear. The power of prayer is for those who feel like they're all alone. Friends, the power of prayer is for people just like you. Just like you and I. People who have fears, who have struggles, who have doubts. That's who prayer's for today. And that's good news. It's good news. Today, I, I wonder, what would it look like for you to pray like Elijah? Right, right there in, in the middle of that depression. In, in the middle of maybe that anxiety or that frustration or the fear or maybe through tears. What would that prayer look like for you today? To trust at God's word that prayers for you. No matter what the lie of the enemy has been whispering in your ear that you're not heard or that your prayers aren't enough, what would it look like for you today to take a stand on God's word and pray like Elijah? Is it a prayer you've given up on? You know, in Elijah's story, he waited three years to see the end of the drought. I mean, don't you think somewhere in that journey he had to think this is never going to end? Let me just give up. And after he had told the king that it was going to rain, he had to go send his servant seven times to look for the cloud of rain because he didn't see it yet. Maybe today the invitation is for you to pick back up on a prayer that you've put down. Maybe a prayer you've given up on. Maybe, maybe it's a prayer for a loved one, or maybe it's a situation at work, or a dream that you had. Maybe it's a call that God has put on your life. What would it look like for you today to pray like Elijah in that area? Maybe today that prayer is a prayer for the impossible. You might not see the way forward. You might not understand how this could ever work out to be anything good. What would it look like for you today to bring that to the Lord? And trust Him that the power of prayer is for you. I invite you today to just take a step of faith. And pray. And pray. Pray what's on your heart. Whether you, you're in hurting or desperation or anxiety, just bring it to the Lord. Pray. Seek Him. Maybe it's that dream that you've let go. Maybe it's the healing that you need. Maybe it's for your family. Would you bring it all before the Lord today and trust Him? Trust Him. the invitation today is to prayer in this time of response as the band plays let's join in prayer together
prayers for the impossible, maybe even the improbable. But let's trust today. We cannot waste another moment. Father, we um, come before you today. and Lord, we thank you for the example of Elijah. For he was a powerful man of God. But yet he had some doubts and struggles and fears too. And Lord, that didn't disqualify him. And Lord, I think maybe today you're whispering that we're not disqualified either. So Lord, today we seek you. Lord, we just want to be in your presence, Lord, to hear your heart, Lord. To lay some things before you. Lord, to, to align our hearts with your will. To trust you, Lord. In all places. And in all things, Lord. And, and to ask you for healing, to ask you for strength, Lord. Father, we thank you today for the gift of prayer. So, Lord, we want to be faithful. And we want to pray. And we want to worship you. As the band plays today, you can assume the posture of your heart. And I just invite you to pray impossible prayers today. Knowing that the power of prayer is for you. Wherever you're coming from today. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.